hello everyone and welcome to today's masterclass. Uh, today's a cracking topic. Uh, today's MWI MediaWorks masterclass is about embracing experimentation and the secrets to performance marketing. And joining me today to give all those secrets away is our head of performance, uh, performance marketing director, David Norris. And then we have our creative director, Andrew Blenkinsop. So lads, have you come loaded with, uh, with uh, secrets to depart knowledge? <laughs> loads, loads. <laughs> well, I'm gonna kick things off. So embracing experimentation. Pancake Tuesday, like did you experiment with your toppings today? Have you stuck with the tried and tested? I haven't had one. I've been on client calls all morning. Okay. Okay. Well, look. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be experimenting with the children tonight, no doubt, when they come home from school. It'll be lively. God knows what creations they'll come up with. Good stuff. Well, look, we tend to think, look, experimentation. I don't know about you guys, but I think, you know, test tubes, guys in white jackets, you mix and mix and mix and potions. But it's not about just the field of science. You know, in everyday life, we're experimenting all the time, even if it is with pancake topics. Um, and as marketeers, we always ponder these type of, of questions. Type of thing is, you know, how do we connect with our consumers? What's the right channels? What's the right time of day? What's the right mindset? Um, and I think if we, if we sort of ponder those instead of wondering by embracing that mindset of experimentation, we can start to answer those questions. And I think by answering those questions, you can develop and focus on this right strategy to, to connect with those consumers. And the other thing I find is, look, there's no marketing strategy that you say, that's it, we've nailed it. This is it forever. Because consumers are changing. They're being exposed to new things. Uh, new platforms come on stream, new challenges. So I think any marketing strategy has to have inbuilt to adapt and evolve uh, to actually stay effective. Um, so that idea of adapting and evolving your marketing programs to respond to the challenges, I'd love to talk about some of those today and that consumer behavior, because I think that is the real difference, if you like, between good and great. And the people who get to great, I think, is, is the ones who are really diving into this. They're experimenting to find out. Um, I always like to, to refer to uh, you know, other, other research that out, that's out there as to the why we would bother. And I think Harvard Business Review you know, studied that e-commerce companies that consistently conduct experiments or marketing experiments Instead of, instead of that kind of, oh, we're done here, we found our right strategy, we'll see a 30% higher ad performance and also over time see a 45% increase in performance. So there's a real bottom line impact to embracing an experimentation uh, mindset. So look, let's start the ball rolling here. Uh, Andy, I want you to tell us, what does it mean really to embrace an experiential, uh, experimental mindset? I think, um, you know, some businesses kind of do it well, others don't do it at all. But I think somebody that kind of really understands and, and embraces this idea of experimentation is, is an organisation really that I suppose understands the value in challenging assumptions or challenging the way that things are done. And I think it's having this kind of mindset of being comfortable to challenge and ask questions of things to find those answers instead of just kind of not saying resting on your laurels, but almost this desire to learn and then, and then iterate like that's kind of, you know, a lot of experimentation. Yes, it's about driving the result, but sometimes it's about learning. It's about gaining new learnings that you can then use, as you say, to improve or inform a strategy. So I think, you know, it's about 
really it's it's about challenging what works what might be done differently um what, what as you mentioned there like how do how do we engage with consumers what do they need what don't they need what are we doing right what are we doing wrong and i think that actually it's something that you need to uh, what we're trying to encourage um, people to do is to apply to everything that you do like don't just think about it in, in isolation like just experiment everywhere look from end to end as to where you can make changes or challenge something that you already do to get a different result um i think you know when it comes to marketing experiments kind of have two aims and it's either prove an existing theory so prove that it's delivering in the way that you think it should be or if you want to try something entirely new you know, if you want to try something different in order to get a different, arguably better result. So, you know, in other words, it's it's understanding what works and what doesn't. And then you do more of what does work and less of what doesn't. So it's quite a, a simplistic thing. But what we want to try and do is embrace it in, in our everyday across the entire business. I think well, why it, I suppose it fast, not fascinates us, but digital is almost the perfect playground in order to apply an experimentation mindset. One of the main reasons I, I asked David to join us today is because, you know, in, in, when it comes to performance marketing and the stuff that David's doing, it is there every single day. Um, and, you, you know, as we go through today, we'll talk about different ways to apply it at all stages of a funnel, but it's it's every day. We, we experiment and we challenge ourselves and our theory every single day. Um, but digital is, is kind of, for me, that perfect playground. And the reason why I think that is because, you know, because we can be so targeted, it's a great place to almost isolate a pot of people, be able to throw a, a variation or a theory or a hypothesis at them to prove it quite quickly. You know, because we can be so targeted, then it allows us to test theory on a small scale before we then embrace it on a larger scale. And I'm talking about not just, you know, I'd go to David's world of, you know, taking a small audience group and a social channel, feeding them an alternative, work, seeing if it works, and then open it up to the masses. Technically, I'm talking about, you know, testing a bit of creative in a small digital space with a segmented audience and then rolling out in your outdoor activity. You know, if you're going to come up with this big, massive creative campaign, you know, let's do it on social, see what engages, talk about messaging, video, content, people. And then go and do your big billboards. You know, you test your video theory out on Facebook and then go to your TV ad and roll it out in the cinema. So I think digital is a really good place to test on the small scale before you roll it out to the large. Yeah. So, Andy, on that note, if we were sitting around and we have an offer and yeah. it could be save 20 percent or save 20 pound, I'll say euro as well because we're in Dublin and we could all have a view. Oh, that'll work better. Or that'll work better. That's a perfect one. You test, all of a sudden you're getting that higher response rates from the save 20 pound. Then that could be the thing that goes on your poster or in the, in the TV ad. Is that a- absolutely? Like right. absolutely. I think that's the that's exactly and that's where I'm at. today's chat was very much around test things as big and significant as that. We're not just, we're kind of getting away from this idea of like experimentation and CRO of, you know, test the layout on that, test the, the way that you you design an ad here. Like test big things within the business that are going to change your business fundamentally. And that, as you said, the way that you anchor a price point or whatever could be, be a huge difference in terms of conversion rate. Yeah. Then how do you then amplify that across the board? And, and I think that is a, is a great example of where you could isolate an audience Test a theory, learn from it, and then apply it. 
at scale. So I think um, digital is a good playground because you can isolate and test on a small scale, gain confidence quite quickly in anything that you do, and then think about a rollout. Yeah, something you said there struck me, and this is for both you guys, but do you find that some businesses are more open or the culture of experimentation is stitched into them? Absolutely. You know, like, it, I think one of the... How do I say this in a positive way? If you think about kind of um, in other parts of the business where we... You say it in a negative way, Andy, too. I mean, we're not saying yeah, anything here. I think what it is, it's, it's addressing this idea and, and under, I suppose understanding what failure really is. So, for example, you might run that test and the hypothesis, which David's going to talk a little bit around the hypotheses in a sec, but, you know, it might be if we change the price point to be kind of currency-driven of uh, euros or pounds over a percentage of 20%, we will see a increase in conversion you might take that test you might apply it to ten thousand people through a social campaign and it mightn't work right in my opinion that's about failing fast and it's being comfortable with that idea of failing we failed to prove the hypothesis what we could have done Declan is we could have made that change not experimented with it rolled it out and had a much larger impact on the business where we see conversion rate across all of our market activity drop significantly so I think in order to in order to kind of have have this kind of mindset of experimentation, you've got to be kind of you've got to be comfortable with failing, um, and yeah. and not seeing it as a failure because it's a learning and a learning. Yes, it's evil. unexpected results. There is no failure, but maybe unexpected. Dave, I think that's a good time maybe to bring you in here, just on those kind of fundamental principles of experimentation, because I'm yes. sure if you have the right guardrails in place that you know that Andy yeah. referred to. It's you're doing experimentation the right way. Yeah, I think I think for me just to just to sort of finish off what you, you were saying there before going into the guardrails and structure that I, I'd suggest. I think one of the things that I wanted to really focus on is is that is 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 being comfortable with the risk. You know, I think that's the difference I see in organizations. Like, are you comfortable at actually trying something and really, frankly, just staying with it? Because sometimes you need to you need to test, you need to test over a period of time, but actually like holding your nerve and testing something and testing something effectively like is is what's required because quite often what we see is somebody will say oh yeah absolutely test that out and then what we'll do is they'll say all right we've seen a negative performance for a day so right we want to go back to the old model and you sat there going no no like you need to hold it for longer than a day because we're changing you know a variable here we're changing a variable there we need to be able to you know definitively say that it's it's causality rather than correlation and i think there's you know two interested that interesting ideas around you know is it just correlation something happened because something you know and something else happened at the same time um and those things we don't know if one impacted on the other or is it causality is it one thing we change one thing we change one variable and we then therefore know it had this impact across the piece and i think there are some really interesting ideas that you know, when you say, is there a type of organization? I think for me, the type of organizations that, that embrace experimentation are those that, that are comfortable with that concept. But the other thing I'd come in and just say, and I think it's an important point in, in what Andy's highlighted around, around what we do as a performance marketing team, like it, it's going to sound awful. Probably a lot of our clients don't realize we're testing every day. You know, like for us, we're, test, we're testing like, a lot of our clients, frankly, when they come and speak to us from a performance marketing perspective, they're very clear about the results that they want to see driven. What they're not that prescriptive on is, oh, I want you to change this bidding strategy, and can you do this, and can you do that? And, and Because, frankly, that's our role. That's, that's, our, that's our culture. We're sat there going, right, 
we want to incrementally build their performance over a period of time. So therefore, what we do is we put these structures and guardrails in place. They've got a culture within MediaWorks where it's all about, right, we'll test and learn, test and learn. And as you say, it's not a failure if it doesn't work. It's just something to eradicate or, or move on from or learn from. Um, so, you know, we're constantly trying to push the boundaries. I think it's a really interesting world that we live in now where, you know, we've got providers and the Google platforms, the Facebooks of the world, where they're like, we'll do the experimentation for you. You know, they're like, with AI, we'll do the experimentation for you. I think my concern around that is that's a really, that's an easy way to lure yourself into an idea of, of oh, we're, we're testing things. We are testing things, but we're only testing minor things. Like what I want us to do really is, is experiment. And I want us to really focus on those big strategic pieces that Andy's focused on. Like if you're if you're looking at tweaking around the edges, as you say, automation will do a lot a lot of that for you. What we're really looking for is let's make some big business decisions based on the the information that's out there. I think you made a good point there, dear. You know, there's there's kind of experimentation and small changes that arguably, you know, nine times out of ten, you get kind of like small small changes in results. Or then yeah. there's seismic change. You know, that's like kind of introducing a new channel. You know, that's a big change. But yeah. you know, arguably, having that kind of mindset of yeah, but let's 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 manage that experiment on a small scale at first can then end up having like a, a seismic kind of yeah. change to the business. And I think what you said there is holding your nerve. I thought that was a really interesting one because actually, it's for me the reason why you would kind of see out an experiment is if you understand the, the purpose of the experiment because the experiment itself isn't to generate. Yeah, a whole load of kind of new revenue in the business or growth in revenue. The experiment is to learn something. It's the bit after that that generates the revenue. So actually, yeah. you need to see it out to get your learnings to then make the change. You know, yeah, so well, well, experiment is the thing that's going to make you the money. <laughs> you know, it's then what you do with the learnings of that. Yeah, well, replace replace small experiment with optimization. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's what we're doing on a daily basis. We're optimizing your campaigns. We're optimizing activity. We're optimizing your spend to drive the best results possible, whatever goal we're building towards. You know, then there's the whole idea of, you know, a, a, an experiment, what I would call an experiment. As you say, they might be a bigger a bigger piece. But I think for me, like, if, if you're working with somebody in the digital space and they aren't building out those optimizations and it's sort of, you know, set and then, all right, it'll be all right, it'll run itself and forever be happy with that, you're probably missing out on a massive amount of performance that you can actually see because that's that's the beauty of what we do. That's the science. You know, the converse debate we've had many a time, Andy, about, you know, marketing, digital marketing in particular, is it an art or a science? Like, I come at it from a very scientific perspective. You know, your creative team come at it from a very sort of creative, artistic, but it's data-driven, you know, it's not it's not designed for design's sake. It's not, oh, we want this color because of that, and we want this font because of that. It, it's because we want this font because we know that that font gets better interaction and gets better conversion. It's going to boost performance. Yeah. Dave, there's a distinction here between the optimization that happens with the series of little tweaks and changes. And let's not forget, they're really important. I always say if you're running a 100-meter race and you get a 3% improvement, you're three meters ahead of that guy. <laughs> so, I mean, they are important. But then the experimental mindset is maybe a, a sort of step back and looking at that bigger picture. But I'm going to pull you back then. Give me the kind of rules or framework for that type of, uh, of experimentation. Yeah, so, so when, I, when I think about that, for me, for me, Declan, it's sort of those four areas, really. You've got to be clear on 
one hatch of your test, you know, the question that Andy's highlighted is a question we've been asked by a client recently is what would happen if we switched off um, this channel? Like what, what impact would it have on all of our other marketing activities? And then that's a, that's a test that, you know, that's a, that's an experiment. That's a hypothesis that you can say, right. Okay. Well, you know, how are we going to do that? What does that look like? And there's the, there's your second sort of question around that. So, you know, don't be, you know, make sure it's focused, make sure it's unambiguous. It's not, it's not, Oh, I wonder what would happen if this was the case. It if we were to reduce spend by twenty percent, what impact would it have on the channel X, Y, Z in performance? Right. So you've got your frame. You then know you're able to say, right, is it is it positive hypothesis or is it a negative hypothesis in terms of outcome? Then, find, then second is validate your victories. So don't focus on too many metrics. Like one of the things that, like especially in, in my world in performance marketing. Because you can make all of these tweaks and changes around outside, like too many times what people do is they'll change too many variables. And what you'll be left going is, well, as I say, was it correlation? Was it causality? What did have the impact? You know, and, and so you really want to make sure that you, you you isolate and make sure, again, you've got a clear success metric. You know, and, and again, what I would say is link that back to a business goal. So don't just say, oh, I want better click-through rates. What do you want better click-through rates for? Like, what is better click-through rate? Right, okay, well, better click-through rate's going to mean, right, okay, it's going to drive better performance. But then again, is it? Because in a world of clickbait, I might be able to drive an ad out there that drives better click-through rates, but does it drive better conversion, i.e., am I converting the right people? So you need to understand what each of the metrics are doing, each of the variables, and then isolate them. Then assign your audiences. So again, we've talked about this previously. So make sure that you're very clear about who you're testing this with and have you got an AB audience? You know, are you going and saying, right, we're cutting that audience right down the middle. We're going to run one version of the experiment to those people and one version of the experiment to another group of people who are equally matched in lots and lots of ways. So you've got that, that variability taken out. So that's a really key element when we're looking at things like Facebook performance or Instagram, et cetera, where it is an audience-built platform. You know, what sort really of things are you looking at there, David? Is it by geography, by age? You yeah. know, when you say cut that audience, like yeah, absolutely. You can look at things like you know demographics. You can look at um, behavioural segmentation, i.e., things like um, what devices are they using, what time of the day people use in these activities, and what you can then uh, sorry engage with these activities and then you can almost split that down into an ab test audience and the the beauty of the platforms is is this is what they're encouraging all of the time you know you're able to test and you're able to refine based on this they want to run multiple tests to drive the optimization the key element of that is to learn as well like because the platforms learn now with the role of automation and machine learning, etc. So again, that's a really important element is is understanding that you want to test so the platform learns about what you're trying to do in terms of performance. And then finally, for me, it's always about like respond to your results. Like the amount of times that I'll see people run a test. You know, we've worked with clients in the past who run really large-scale tests. And then we've said, right, okay, this would be the next action. And the only problem they get to is sometimes they don't hold the nerve. You know, because it feels quite extreme that you might be putting out sort of, well, turn this off or dial this up or invest significantly in that area, reduce spend over there. So I think for me, it's it's once you've set your hypothesis, 
don't be afraid to go with the outcome. You know, the outcome's going to tell you, you know, your hypothesis might have failed or it might prove really positive. But from my perspective, it's about understanding and going with those results and feeding that into everything that you're doing. Yeah, and I think you talked about this earlier, which is uh, the risk element. And I suppose a good experiment means that you have your banker performance, you know, assets there and they're working. And, you know, the experiment allows you to find something that performs better than that. Or that should be the goal. Uh, not yeah. everything will be a home run. Yeah. But then you're introducing that gradually. So the risk piece is it's managed risk. You know, yeah. you're keeping safe what is driving day in, day out to the business, but, but yeah. layering then on, on top. Is that a kind of a fair assumption? Hundred percent, Declan. You know, we're not we're not saying to people like change everything that you do overnight. It's changing it's changing variables that you can then test and drive that that performance. You know, in in, in a classic example um, that I've talked about there, where we had a client who said, right, okay, we want a um, so it's really interesting. YouTube, Google, etc., talk about things called brand uplift studies. So they'll run things called brand uplift studies, which is essentially invest in brand awareness pieces on things like the Google Display Network or on YouTube to get people more aware of your brand. And then what you do is on the backside of that, you look at how many brand searches have, have taken place. And with the aim of that's the easiest, cheapest traffic and the best traffic to convert is brand traffic. Right. But it's really interesting in the sense that you then have to look at that over like a period of time and be comfortable with that because Again, you have to hold your nerve to say, right, we're investing in this area. If you if you run it for one day, it's going to probably tell you very little information. If you run it for a week, two weeks, two months, you then be able to see, right, what impact has that had? And the good thing is, even if that doesn't result in a brand uplift, you've ruled that out as a channel. And the reality is, like, we see a lot of, what I would regard, sort of dabbling. You know, people will say, like, oh, I want to just you know, have a go at this channel for a week or I want to do this and I want to do that. And you start going, no, commit to it and then let's give it a fair let's give it a fair go. Because in things like um, you know, the Facebook platform, you don't come out with learning, you know, for potentially dependent on how many actions or interactions you you, you need. You know, minimum normally 50 over a seven over a seven day um, window. So for example, you might not have even got out of learning depending on what type of business you're in. So for me it's it's, yeah, you have to commit to it and you have to be comfortable with that that risk element. But what the, the risk to me is, is not experimenting, yeah. is, is saying that, right, okay, we're just going to hold as is because the reality is the market's going to overtake you because everybody out there is optimizing, experimenting as they go. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a, a fair point and take out. But there has to be some kind of, I don't know, tools or, or methodologies to help assist uh and do you view anything on that sort of side of things? I think it's just when David was talking about um, the the audience and the same audience, I think that's really, really important where digital can play a part because, you know, ha by having that control and being able to kind of, you know, you need to get, you need to give your experiments a kind of a, a not the, fair, the fairest chance, but the best chance of being fair, if that makes sense. So, you know, by able to isolate audiences that are exactly of the same demographic in exactly the same location, for example, in exactly the same period of time is, in my opinion, the key to getting like a, a really kind of confident result in, in the way that you, you're trying to prove a hypothesis. So I think always having a, a solid control in order to make the best decision is really, really important. Um, I think as well as in terms of a lot of 
as an agent, when we spoke about um, the first point and about uh, what 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 is an organisation that embraces this idea of experimentation, etc. I think a lot of it as well is is being comfortable to be driven by data because actually, you know, whatever the data proves, you have to kind of live with and go with. Otherwise, what was the point in doing the test in the first place? So I think you know, being um, embracing that idea of making decisions based off data and then being comfortable with that output and then making sure, regardless of if it was the one that you wanted it. Everybody goes about a test and the hope the hope they're right, if that makes sense. And this idea of experiment, you hope that you're going to be proved right so you can make that change. And actually, sometimes you're going to be proved wrong. And I think actually being led by the data and then and then only making that decision based on what the data says is is a is a huge part of like make making it a successful um test or experiment. Because yeah, so going from the finger in the air, good, you know. We live in a, a time now where there is data and we can base it on, on these decisions. It takes away that guesswork. And if you set up your experimentations, uh, you have to like, you know, have the right data points because that's the safety in that data. That's the thing you can walk into any boardroom and go, here is why we are making those decisions. And as long as it's a robust data set, you have your control groups. I mean, this is this is manna from heaven when it comes to those business decisions, really, isn't it? Yeah, because you might have some, you might have a change, a change in direction, or you might have something being as a marketing team. You might have a request being asked of you that you really don't feel comfortable. You know, you know it's not right for the business, but it might be somebody in the business that just insists that the change is made. Let's say, but actually, if you then go and run that experiment, then it's a way to kind of prove prove that that's not the case. It'll it'll prevent you from making bad decisions, but it's then often you might have people that then just still overturn that it doesn't matter, still want to do it if that makes sense. But actually the data is telling you that it's not a good decision to be made. We ever proved wrong, Andrew, on that, we went, this will never work. You too, David. (laughs) (laughs) Has there ever been any of those occasions? Absolutely. Well, you know, we were kind of, you know, we, we use it in, in our, like, you know, as David said he his, his in the performance marketing team you know they embrace this every single day and it has become a, a part of like kind of media culture where we always test and we always experiment and we want to make things better and trying to kind of ingrain that mentality into you know your, your ux team your your design team you develop like everybody needs to embrace it you know some people will come to that party with kind of preconceptions you know i've done this I've, I've always designed it like this i always when i'm building a web page this is always how i design it because i know it works mightn't be the case for that particular business selling that particular product to that particular audience. Every single every single product, business, audience group is unique. So I think by ex- applying these experiments and tests to your audience with your product is where you can kind of define your own destiny instead of just doing what everybody else does. Yeah. And I think for me, it's about like going into it, eyes wide open. Like there's ta- there's times where I, I sit there and I, I'll hear a client request or I'll be speaking to whoever from the marketing team or, or more senior than that, and they'll say, right, we're thinking about we're thinking about doing this. And I think what what what's brilliant about that is is we can look at the data and say that based on the existing data that we've got, with this this is what we would expect the outcome to be. And it's not to say that that always is the outcome. But it's that wide open piece about going in and saying, right, okay, this isn't going to be a perfect scenario. And here's going to be the the the, the trade-off that you're going to have to make. And I think for me, that, that it's really interesting because the biggest trade-off most businesses have to make is, is where to invest, right? It's like nobody's got bottomless pits. You can't do absolute 
everything all of the time. Not even the biggest businesses we work with can do everything all of the time. So I think for me, it's it's about sort of, I say, educating and working with the, the clients on, on understanding, right, here's the challenge that, that you could face if this is what you decide to do. And being really comfortable with that, because as you say, the, the upside of that could be hugely significant um, for your business. But you have to understand that, you know, it's not without risk. And it's about, I think the onus on us is really to, to sort of highlight what that risk would be. I can go into it and and, and I have had instances where somebody said to me, we want to try this and, I'm, and I've gone, I think that's a terrible idea. <laughs> and, and they've gone, why? And I'm like, right, because here are the ramifications and we can look into that. And as you say, sometimes you find that actually the ramifications aren't as bad as that they can see. We told you it wouldn't be so bad. And, and, but again, it's about being comfortable with that. And I think it's it, the onus is on us as an agency in this space is to work with our partners, talk to them about, right, here's the, the scenarios that we see playing out. Um, we don't know the exact numbers because, you know, forecasts are forecasts that can change the world. It's dynamic. We're not, we're not operating in static markets that behave the same way day upon day. But for me, it's, it's yeah, you have to be really comfortable with that. Okay. Um, you talked there just about, you know, the risk and being comfortable. And I think we're really getting into embracing that, that mindset. But in terms of the kind of things we can do, the methodologies, you know, to mitigate that risk, you know, we're not going into this blind. What type of things can we do to make sure that we're getting the most from, from our experiments? So there's kind of um, lots of different experimentation methodologies that you can use. So I'll just kind of quickly run through a few of them. Like the, the, the basic one is like um, based A-B testing, and that can be performed in many different ways. You know, if you're looking from a, a CRO, conversion rate optimization, looking at a web page, you know, that is the idea of creating two different versions, arguably of something, and then running, as David had said, an audience, a control audience through one, and then a test audience through the other. So you split your traffic through, the, through a control and a variant. And then at that point, you just measure which one performed better than the other. Um, so A-B testing, and that can be applied to a web page. It could be applied to an ad creative. It could be applied to an, an, an email marketing, a piece of email marketing where you send version A, version B to your audience, and you see which one resonates best, essentially. So A-B testing is a very simple way of doing it. You can then come to kind of a more complex version of that when you're looking at websites and mobile apps, which is multivariate testing, right, which allows you to arguably change multiple things on a page, right? So you could you could take one element of it and put it at the bottom of the page and leave it at the top. You could change the headline and you could give four variations of a headline and you could test all of the multiples against a different audience group to work out which one performs better. So that's where you change multiple variables on one thing in order to test it. There's the idea of user testing and um, actually just good old user research, which means actually going to a very specific audience. And you, again, you could segment those two audiences and you simply interview them, you survey them, um, you do a focus group in order to kind of see how two different audiences feel about a certain thing. So, you know, and then you could you could then take that into your experimentation. But user testing is, is a really good way to understand what your what your consumers currently want from you know you alluded at the beginning Darren, about consumer behavior and cha behavior changing all the time so you know user testing is a good way to just go and speak directly with these people 
Amazing. Okay, that's a great way too, Andy, to hatch some new hypotheses as well. You know, listening in, if you're going, well, where do we go? How do we come up with our test? Nothing like, nothing beats chatting to customers, you no. know, hearing them talk. And I think actually when, when I talk about digital being a great place, in fact, that's absolutely, go and get some hypotheses, you know, have conversations, work out what you should be testing, experimenting with, and then digital is almost that playground to then go and experiment and apply that theory to a, a larger scale of people, you know, yeah. so one-on-one focus group is brilliant to hatch a plan, hatch a hypothesis, and then actually take it to digital or experiment, so like, absolutely. Yeah. Um, content testing is fairly self-explanatory, where it's basically, you know, we, David, you do this an awful lot when it comes to ad copy or ad creative. It's actually what messaging are we using in order to, first of all, best resonate with an audience, but also give clarity as to what might come next. So I know we're going to talk about testing the full funnel and what drives people to where, but content testing is a really basic but powerful thing to experiment with. You know, what's your best brand or company USP or you know proposition that's going to resonate with our audience or our particular audience groups just testing that can have a big a big impact um, and then we've idea then we've got this idea of incrementality testing so incrementally testing is a technique which is really going to look at it, how we could change one single variable and then what the impact it's then going to have on a particular user so it basically it's a, it's a way of changing an interaction to work out what impact it then has on the rest of the journey. Um, you know, so I think, again, it's really important that we use a control group to test incrementally. Um, but those are really one, one, two, three, four, five, six ways that we could kind of start looking at experimentation so, methods. So potentially, Andy, if, if there was a, you know, path to purchase, let's say, you know, a digital path to purchase, and one of them involves six steps you probably could test there if we can get that down to four four steps uh, you know what's the impact then are we seeing that that kind of you know impact of that improvement in the customer journey hitting the bottom line yeah where you know and being open to actually maybe this is a six step could be a seven step but being being open to, to seeing the results a million percent i think you know this idea of experimentation it, it impacts the bottom line i think you're absolutely right you know the hypothesis there was if we could reduce our checkout or stages in conversion and um, by one it would improve conversion by why like that's kind of what where you would get to so it might be that instead of your paid adverts taking you to home page you take them directly to category page or go directly to product or instead of we might send somebody to a case study and then push them through to the product page and then they convert from that so actually taking stages out of the overall journey could be one way or you could yeah. look at just something as simple and um, that then is, is like the number of form fields in a form might have seven in it. If you can get that down to four, are we going to see an increased number of people coming through that? Then you've got that. This is when it starts to get really interesting, though, because you might somebody might be an owner of that form, let's say, yeah. and you might want to take something out which is actually date of birth is a fantastic piece of information we need about our users because it means we can send them that birthday offer, which we know increases loyalty, advocacy, and repeat custom. Right? Okay, so that's a big change that has a bigger impact on the business. So you might say, well, first of all, let's see if, if we do, do remove that field, do we get more people through the form? You might test that, work out that's the case. Then you have to think, right, how are we going to get the birthday? Well, that could just be the follow-up email that says, actually, we want to blah, blah, blah. You know, we would like to send you some discount codes. It really 
because you're a special value customer, let us know when your birthday is because actually the initial conversion might be worth more than getting somebody's birthday should they not convert. So I think that's when you start looking at actually the full funnel and what is the impact of making a change to the, to the wider business really. There's a huge amount here in that kind of conversion rate optimization side of things. It's a natural home as well for, for that experiment because you can track it uh, to that bottom line. Um, yeah, really interesting. Um, I suppose where, where I wouldn't mind going here uh, is applying that ex- experimental mindset and getting the results. And I know we've kind of touched on it here, but to really you know, dive into that in CRO or, or um, CXO, any thoughts on that side of things? Um, David, shall I go first, then we'll talk about yeah, across the full funnel piece. Yeah, yeah. So I think you know, in terms of experimentation, does does sit previously we would always talk about sale or conversion rate optimization, and we might be optimizing or experimenting to improve conversion, whether it be at the top of the funnel, the middle of the funnel, or the bottom of the funnel. Kind of doesn't matter. We have a conversion point out on social that's going to drive people to our own channels. We can optimize that touch point. Well, then it comes to a website itself, and we think, well, actually, it's about getting people to the basket. That's the second stage. We can optimize that piece of the funnel. Then when we convert, how do we then actually increase customer value by our ongoing marketing strategy to drive them back in to increase customer value? That's like lightning advocacy. So we can actually apply this idea of conversion rate optimization at every single touch point. And I think a lot of where we wanted to kind of land today um, and is this idea of not just optimizing uh, a checkout or form, but actually trying to broaden everybody's thinking to actually optimize the entire customer experience. And that's where it comes into this world of CXO. And really that's about, it starts with journey mapping. So you apply your experimentation by journey mapping from start to finish, from the very first point of of kind of engagement with a potential customer, right the way through to a customer of three years. And you look at every single touch point of where you as an organization will will engage with that that customer, right? And and that's then then it becomes about so much more because it's about brand perception. It's about how they feel about you as a brand and organization in order to come back. It's about making sure that when people are reviewing you early on, what are they seeing about you? So really we want to optimize the entire experience as opposed to just the point of conversion because everything, you know, if you look at that kind of transformational change, all of these metrics are going to feed in to your conversion rate. Yeah. We want, I think, I think what we want to try and do, Andy, is we want to, we want to wrap that customer with a, a consistent, clear brand message brand brand piece really in the sense that every time they interact with your organization or they see your, your awareness ad on social media they go and search for you um they go and search for a generic or a brand plus sort of term in 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 the search engines and they see this really consistent coherent message that comes through because i think that you know we've talked about this like multiple times before is i think sometimes people do just think of it as an on-site activity like yeah. it's so 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 easy to just get like quite sort of myopic about it and just go right okay we're going to focus on on on-site what happens when a user lands on site but actually do we find out that that for example you know case studies in terms of content works better at this stage in the funnel and we know that if people who see case studies 
then come through and they convert at a higher level that come through as people who are more comfortable and convert better and therefore are more likely to then be a higher value customer for your business. And I think for me, it's about, like we're doing a piece of work right now for a client around looking at sort of customer journeys, customer mapping, and which were the first touch points and what were the last touch points before they landed on site in terms of what's played a role there in terms of, you know, and then mapping that against lifetime value of customers. Because thinking in retail, we always go to retail as the first example, too often it's on that, what have they bought there and then? What did the buyer check out at that point? But actually, you know, if you move beyond that and say, right, okay, that's then somebody that's going to give you their email address and then you're actually not potentially going to have to spend on marketing them in the future. You're just going to hit them with an email that basically makes them aware and they're going to come back because they've had a great consistent experience. The lifetime value, the efficiency that you can drive there, the effectiveness that you can drive there is amazing. And I think the same thing applies in the B2B space. I think it can become really all too easy to say, right, what happens when you know we generate a lead on the site and what's our conversion rate, who follows up and what's the inquiry management process? But actually it's about understanding, right, what's the best typology of customers for our organization and how do we get in front of those? I.e., is it a particular sector? Is it particular messaging in a particular sector? Is it particular channels? Is it particular times of day that they respond to particular messages? You know, it's like it's like um, you know, my wife works in the, the truck and haulage industry, and like she'll say it's really really interesting because a lot of owner drivers of vehicles, for example, they're on the mobile, they're on the mobile all all the time. You know, they're not sat ever sat at a desktop, they're not ever sat. So for them, it's like if you're targeting owner drivers. It's like your behavioral criteria, the people you're focusing on is people who are using mobile devices to find your organization. So again, it's about producing content that matches that and mirrors up and makes it a really efficient process. Whereas if you're engaging with, for example, large haulage companies, they're likely to have a procurement team sat in an office doing loads of research on the web, which is, again, is a different user experience. So for me, it's about understanding that that customer journey and understanding that it's a longer term process. It's not just what happens when somebody lands on a website. It's about how do you wrap around a full conversion funnel around those individuals that are going to deliver the best performance. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting. You put the customer and their experience at the center of it. And again, I think this would be inspiration for looking for areas where you can either experiment, adapt, and, um, that will that will provide loads. And I'm just thinking you sparked in me, you know, a change in behaviors. Life used to be simple. You'd watch telly. You know, now we're watching telly, but the phone's in one hand. <laughs> we're doing other things. Yeah. And that kind of distracted. So there's opportunities to, you know, intersect. And, you know, are you, should you be advertising at halftime in the football match? Is there uh, days of week, times of day? I always remember uh, this is going back a few few years. Well, one of the experiments um, that was surprisingly successful was a direct response. Again, very measurable advertising. And this particular client, it was uh, uh, women's fitness uh, gyms and that stuff. They advertise on Nickelodeon. Now, Nickelodeon, it's a kid's channel. So according to the data, but it turns out that Nickelodeon was the country's biggest babysitter. It was the thing that was put on to keep the kids occupied. And then as, you know, mom and dad were coming in, the ads were on that cheap as chips, and that drove a load of kind of leads and responses. But something that's counterintuitive, and I think that experimenting mindset, being open to that, to trying those things, and then that binds that, if you like, you know, part of going jackpot here, 
<laughs> you know, and everybody high-fiving each other because you've found this new high-performance source of leads. But that wouldn't come without having that view of the customer, open mindset to, to experimenting. Yeah, and I think it's that, that open view mindset that would kind of apply it at the very top of the funnel of attract new customers. And I think it, it's kind of applying it at every single touch point. It's like, yeah. okay, well, we, need to, we need to grow us social following what do we do now on social what's our, th- our, our objective there isn't this well it is a conversion but it's about to press like follow us on social that's that's a, a, a challenge we have there then we look at actually when we've got somebody who is a customer and we look at the buying behavior afterwards what di- what can data tell us around when the second purchase is what it is how can we get in front of that with some form of email marketing strategy and change that behavior so i think once you've mapped all of the touch points and you realize what you're optimizing for, that's when you then start applying your experimentation, I think is, is really interesting. And this goes to everything, definitely, you know, as you said, it's digital, but I always remember once, I think Dan Hogan gave us an, a, an example of a charity that once tested the, the different shapes that they sent out, in, and the different shape envelopes they sent out in order to get some kind of the, the, the donations towards the charity and it was if you printed it that way uh, landscape you would get a check if it was horizontal you were likely to put cash in it and all of these things changed the way that consumers behaved and actually it's a really fascinating approach to if we do something different we might get a different result and i think we encourage people to try and do different things to get better results yeah i think that's a a lovely way to kind of wrap it up i'm keeping one eye on the clock here uh gents um, I think we've covered, I'm super pumped. I want to go now and start experimenting. Uh, but I think we have covered a lot of, of really good stuff. And I think some of the principles are, you know, test, put testing at the center, but learning from those tests. You know, have your hypothesis, but give it time to run its course so that you can stand over the outcome of that and keep an open mind. You know, not going, I'm expecting to see the results. Be prepared to be surprised, to be open, and that every uh, result or finding is a lesson well learned. It's not, I was right, they were wrong. It is, we have found out new information that impacts our future strategy, and that's that's a good thing. Uh, you mentioned the, kind of the tools and the methodologies. It's easy to start with AB. There's lots more within there. And I think... For me, the big massive takeout is embracing the mindset here to open your mind and to try and have that culture within the business where it's okay to experiment at the right level and at the right proportion to the business. Is there any last word from either of you two guys before I wrap this up? I thought you wrapped that up quite well, Declan. There, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think I think just to just to sort of you know echo exactly what you've just said. Really, is is, is you know the market is never going to stand still. Like that's the reality. Is your competitors are always moving. So if you're not looking for these incremental or or you know even revolutionary changes in your business, then somebody else is going to be. And I think that for me is is if if you need any motivation following this this um, masterclass that we've delivered right now is is, you know, it's almost that fear element. If you're not doing it, somebody else is going to do it. So you're better off sort of testing from a position of strength. Yeah, and I think it, it's actually a great thing to make part and parcel of how you approach work is, is that testing. And whether that's with your agency partners, within your own organizations, and I'm going to put that shout out here, is anyone from this point on runs an experiment that blows their uh, minds through success. I want you to come and tell us about it and we'll get you on this masterclass uh, sharing the wisdom. Folks, thank you for your attention. I'd like to thank Andrew and David for their expertise. Uh, 
it's been a fascinating sort of topic and, uh, and subject, and I'm definitely going to be trying to do more experimenting. Okay, thanks, folks. Thank you, Declan. Thank you, Declan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.